to Reworking Talent, the podcast that tackles the top challenges in today's small business-focused talent market. I'm your host, Bren Scott, founder and CEO of Found Consulting, a growth-centered people operations and recruiting consultancy. And joining me is Lindsay Warren. She is our resident talent guru, Star Wars geek, (laughs) and manager of talent operations. We're here to give actionable advice to business leaders and aspiring business leaders, both on a personal and organizational scale. Today's episode is a good one, uh, and one that I'm sure many of our listeners will find relevant, and that is how to build and maintain a great culture in a remote and or hybrid work environment. And here to share her expertise is Liz Corrali, Program Manager of Hybrid Enablement at HubSpot. Liz comes from a background in customer success across different industries uh, before finally landing in SaaS. Working closely with clients fed her curiosity about what motivates and inspires people, which led to her current role uh, as the Program Manager for Hybrid Enablement at HubSpot, where her work focuses uh, and encompasses hybrid best practices to support a really strong culture, uh, one that spans across departments and regions and uh, also scales as HubSpot continues to grow. Because uh, as I'm sure many of you know, HubSpot continues to grow. Mm-hmm. Additionally, she helps create community across HubSpot's hybrid employee population and ensures HubSpot's employee programming is accessible, inclusive, and equitable, regardless of where and how a HubSpotter works. Liz, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Liz. I think I'd like to start. Uh, can you just begin telling us a little bit about how you ended up at uh, the rocket ship that is HubSpot? Yeah, uh, the quick answer is uh, serendipitously, but <laughs> uh, a slightly longer answer. I was working before I joined HubSpot for a, a really small ed tech company based in South Carolina. And a former colleague of mine at that company had left the company and had found her way to HubSpot. And I hadn't, I hadn't heard of HubSpot when she started working there. I was like, oh, great. Sounds like a cool place. Um, and her team was recruiting. Uh, and she uh, ultimately helped me get my, my first job. So she recruited me to come to HubSpot and uh, work on her team, which was a training team for our customers. Uh, I think that I would have been much more intimidated by the interview process if I had known uh, kind of the behemoth uh, company that HubSpot was (laughs) at the time. So I was really, I think I was really lucky that I went in not knowing what a big deal it was to get an interview at HubSpot. And uh, it felt like, you know, just any other interview, or maybe I was a little a little too arrogant for my own good, but it worked out uh, for me, I think, in the end. So it was really lucky for me to to join that team. I was doing what I had, essentially the exact same thing that I had been doing for this smaller company, but for uh, a company like HubSpot that was about to get launched in outer space. So this week is actually my three-year anniversary at HubSpot. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Congrats. Heck Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Happy, happy to still be here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Well, and, and so, uh, your career, even just at HubSpot has 
gone through a, a couple different evolutions. So um, what made you transition from like the more client facing client training side of things to the culture side of things, especially because HubSpot has such an interesting, mm -hmm. well-known culture. So, so what made that transition happen? Yeah, I, so like you said, I, I mean, I started my, my career, not just at HubSpot, but my entire career leading up to this year has been client facing. Um, and regardless of the, the role that I was in or the industry I was working in, what, what really interested me was what comes before a client's experience. Like how do you get to the, the client's experience? So uh, something that I believe is a, a really exceptional customer experience comes from uh, an exceptional employee experience, that it's much easier to create a phenomenal customer experience if you have employees who have buy-in for your product, mm -hmm. have, feel inspired when they come to work, uh, feel a sense of purpose and passion for what they're doing. Uh, and, and I've always been really drawn to that side of things. Like how do we create that environment um, that just opens the avenue for people sincerely loving being in front of customers and, and that sincerity being infectious. Um, so making that transition at HubSpot felt plausible for a couple of reasons. One, HubSpot is really supportive of internal mobility. So even though I joined the a, a team called Customer Training uh, when I joined HubSpot, there's a lot of folks who join HubSpot and not jump around, but really make some strategic lateral or uh, uh, vertical moves depending on what they're interested in. And I had never had any traditional people ops or HR background. Uh, yeah. So moving into the culture side of things has always been interesting to me, but I've always... Uh, essentially had a resume for, for customer success. So having a company that supported internal mobility felt really big to me. Uh, and then, like you said, HubSpot is already really well known for its culture. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a company that felt really exciting to continue what they were doing in terms of their culture because they, in many ways, even when I joined three years ago, was so ahead of the game when it comes to how they're being intentional about approaching their, their company culture. And so yeah. the ability to make that move and an understanding that I would be joining a team that's already propelling forward felt like it was a place where I could make a really big impact and learn a lot uh, when I'm ostensibly shifting my career. Uh, so wow. those are really, that's, that's how that transition was oh, able to. Oh man. Wow. What a great answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also plug HubSpot. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and so I, I know that a part of HubSpot's culture that, um, and, and I actually don't know the history of this, mm -hmm. so maybe, maybe you can tell us more, but I know that at least right now HubSpot is, uh, fairly remote heavy, um, as far as where employees can work from. Um, so were you guys always that remote heavy? I wouldn't say that we are always that remote heavy, but we have always been remote inclusive. So mm -hmm. it's like a quick, I love a history lesson. So a uh, very quick <laughs> history lesson on HubSpot. HubSpot was founded in 2006. Our first remote employee came in 2007. So wow. as long as the company has existed, we have supported remote work. Um, yeah. 
that, that said, the first decade or so that HubSpot existed, uh, our remote community was relatively small. Now we've been scaling and growing pretty uh, like exponentially over the last few years, yeah. but even up to 2019, when I joined, our remote population was only 100, 200 people. So it was really, really small mm -hmm. compared to the thousands of people that work remotely for HubSpot today. Um, so in those early days, or I, I guess the first decade, not really the early days, first decade that HubSpot existed, um, we really leveraged remote work as a way to retain HubSpotters who wanted to keep working for the company, but mm -hmm. who couldn't go into an office because of distance or because of what other circumstances might have existed for that employee. Yeah. Um, so that always existed, but there weren't a lot of clear guidelines or policies around remote work. Mm -hmm. And like everyone, uh, as the time kind of progressed, remote work was becoming increasingly a more and more popular option, right? Even before the pandemic hit, there was like this push to kind of experiment with remote work and people were like dipping their toes in the water. So in 2019, HubSpot's leadership team created a role that focused specifically on enabling an inclusive culture for our remote workforce and creating consistent guardrails and processes that would allow us to support the remote experience. Yeah. We started getting really focused on, we don't just want to be a remote inclusive. We want to be remote first, so to speak. Hmm. And so in 2019, we really started focusing on what that remote experience looked like. Mm -hmm. A hindsight is a little bit 2020 because then, of course, the next year COVID hit and we became a overnight a fully remote company. <laughs> Wow. So we went from being like, yeah, we should probably invest in what this remote experience looks like in a more meaningful way to a year later being like, oh, okay, so now we are like exclusively remote. And I think the silver lining of us focusing on that work in 2019 was that we had already invested in a remote inclusive environment. Mm -hmm. We'd already created training and best practices for virtual communication, for virtual collaboration. We had already enabled each of our global entities to support remote work. Uh, and for those reasons, we were just, I think, really lucky that we were more prepared than we might have been to make that transition so quickly to being fully remote when the pandemic hit. And so that that's like, that's how we, that's kind of like the evolution to 2020. By the end of 2020, we were like, okay, we want to, we were remote inclusive. Now we are 100% remote. Remote. <laughs> And by the end of 2020, we were like, what do we want to look like in the future? Like, what is our, what's the next couple of years looks like? So in, at the end of 2020, we committed to a hybrid model where we were going to say, okay, regardless of what this pandemic does, how long it's going to last, what the world looks like, once things start opening up again, we don't want to go back to what it looked like in 2019, where we were just remote inclusive. We want to create a whole new playing field where we see the accessibility, the inclusivity, that being hybrid allows. So this hybrid model allows us to like lean in on the flexibility of letting people work either from the office or from their home or from a mixture of, of the two, depending on what suits their working style or their preferences best. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And you guys were certainly ahead of the curve, all the puns intended on that. Um, but I mean, you, it sounds like you already had the guidelines in place, processes in place for this kind of remote work, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about 
how you navigated, um, you know, understanding if people were actually productive at home. What? Uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll let you take the floor on that one. Uh, the idea of like, how do you know if they're productive? And so mm -hmm. there's a couple of, sometimes I want to be a real smart aleck when I respond to that, because I'm like, well, how, how do you know that your business hasn't crumbled? Mm -hmm. Right. Like, how do you know that you're still, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. these are not, I mean, and that is a, right. Like really a tongue in cheek answer, but I, I think a more serious answer is that uh, when you look at HubSpot's culture code, which our founders created uh, in our early days and has evolved slightly over the years, but the culture code for HubSpot says they don't care about the number of hours you work. They don't care where you work. They care about what the results are. And prior to us being kind of all in on this hybrid strategy, we still had teams that weren't sitting in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where we're, where our global headquarters are. Right? We had teams that were sitting in Massachusetts. We had teams in our satellite office in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. We had teams in our EMEA headquarters in Dublin, mm -hmm. teams in our Berlin office, teams in Sydney, Australia. So even before everybody was fully remote, we were still a dispersed company. So we were still having to collaborate and communicate across time zones, across regions, across cultural differences. Uh, so this idea of relying on clear communication and results in particular, being really focused on results rather than like, do I see you sitting at a desk? Um, that hasn't changed. The right. pandemic has not changed that. What it's done is highlighted how much more important it is to be intentional about that communication, to be clear in your expectations for what the results need to be, how you're measuring success and like doing consistent check-ins to make sure that everybody feels aligned and like they're moving forward towards these singular goals. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and speaking of, uh, you, you, you kind of opened a, a door there for one of my other questions, which is uh, the collaboration argument, because um, we hear this a lot from business leaders mm -hmm. as well. Um, and I think it's it's been a discussion for years. I mean, uh, I, I think back to when Marissa Meyer took over as CEO at Yahoo, and she said, nope, we're bringing all of our employees back in the mm -hmm. office because we can't collaborate effectively uh, as a remote workforce. Um, and so what about that argument? How does HubSpot enable people to collaborate effectively? Uh, like you said, you've got offices all over the globe. Uh, I think everyone in this, uh, in this day and age is sick of the Zoom call, uh, <laughs> sick of the pointless meetings. So, so uh -huh. how are you enabling uh, people to collaborate better remotely? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I understand that argument from like a philosophical, it makes me a little sad because I feel like it's, um, there's not a lot of imagination in it. So right. not that it's like super closed minded, but it just looks like that's a narrow worldview mm -hmm. that is lacking in some creativity, lacking in uh, like some imaginative solution finding. Not to say that if anyone is insisting their employees come back into the office, they're like just a bunch of squares who like don't have anything. <laughs> but I, do, I think that there's something to be said about like how do we create solutions based on like new that we're living in? How do we continue to solve for what our employees need to help them be the best versions of themselves at work, which is going to bring us the, the best results? So a culture of 
collaboration that exists across regions, like it has to at HubSpot, or across time zones, like it has to at HubSpot, or now across work preferences, creating a culture of collaboration in that environment is more challenging right, than creating one in, in person. But I'm going to make this argument that it can be better, uh, even though it's harder. It can be, be more helpful because folks have to be more intentional in how they're communicating with their colleagues. So when we're more intentional about how we're communicating, this helps us solve for more than just time zones or region, right? It helps us essentially support a more flexible work environment for anyone who needs flexibility because of educational pursuits or you know caregiving responsibilities, what have you. So if we're more intentional about how we're collaborating and communicating, it's going to make it better for everyone. Right? Mm-hmm. Accessibility for anyone mm-hmm. makes things more accessible for everyone. Yeah. Uh, and I think that creating a culture of collaboration in a hybrid or virtual environment is the same. Some of the ways that we do that are leaning in on the tools that we have at our disposal. We uh, use Slack channels mm-hmm. and Google Docs so we can create some async collaboration, which I think leaning into is really helpful when you're, especially when you're dealing with time zones. And then if you're creating Zoom meetings, which a lot of us are tired of at this point in our pandemic life, uh-huh. uh, right? Like how do we, how do we make the most out of those? So we're really big at HubSpot into sending out really clear detailed agendas before the meetings take place, like with at least a day in advance. So people can say, Hey, is this a meeting that I need to be prioritizing? And what input, how can I prepare for this so it's as efficient as possible? Um, So agenda is really big, but also documenting ownership. Mm. Who is driving this project? Who's accountable or responsible for this project? Who needs to be involved? So we use the DACI model, which is like a variation of the Darcy uh, model for for project management. Um, But documenting everything as, as clearly as possible. How are we measuring success? How are we expected to communicate on this particular project or initiative? Um, so when you're leaning into all of those different things, right? Collaboration is going to look really different than it would in person when everyone's in the same office from nine to five. Uh, but but I think that collaborating in this way is actually more equitable when when it comes down to it because you're giving a chance for everyone to participate. You're not just giving. Uh, the folks who are loudest in the room or the first to get to the room, the opportunity to participate. So I I think there's a lot of benefit to being intentional about collaborating hybridly. It's really interesting uh, hearing you talk talk about how intentional you you need to be in order to have a really successful uh, remote or hybrid environment. Um, And so if, if, if a hybrid or or fully remote environment, can make employees more productive. Uh, how do you combat burnout? And this may be a whole nother podcast episode, yeah. but um, <laughs> it, you know, it, you you've brought it up a, a couple of times. Circumstances that mm-hmm. that uh, make it more convenient for people to work at home or make it necessary for people to work at home. Uh, you know, taking the kids to soccer practice or mm-hmm. or the chores stacking up um, and and it being so, so easy to just, you know, stay online a couple hours longer. Um, so how, how does HubSpot help? How do you combat that burnout for employees? 
Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's hard, especially, you know, we've got what nearly around 7,000 employees now worldwide and burnout looks different for everybody. Mm. Um, so there's, man, I, I, I realize I have used the word intentional a ton already, but I, I think that <laughs> we know that it's hard to separate your work from your life when they're both happening in the same place. HubSpot has been, you know, for a while now on this like mission to create a more sustainable way of working, especially since the pandemic has kind of upended how we think about work. Work-life balance was really important before the pandemic. And then we put everyone in their living room to do, to do the job. And right. it was like, Hey, we know we've been talking about work-life balance. Uh, so good luck. You're now <laughs> in your living room, like on your dining room table where you have dinner with your family. Like, mm-hmm. should you move your computer? Yeah, you should. But like, how do we, how do we create that sustainability when there's so many nuanced circumstances? The way that I think about this, first of all, I love the term combating burnout. When I think about combating burnout, it's a very tangible thing. Like I sort of imagine that I'm like a knight from Monty Python and I have like, really there's a sword, you've got armor Uh and it's like a tactile thing. And you're like, I am going to defeat this thing right in front of me. The problem with that very real image, I think, right. Or like insert whatever image comes to mind when you think of the word combat, right. Right. When you, we use that word combating burnout, which I think we do all the time it makes us think that burnout is tangible Mm -hmm. uh, or or tactile, something that we can like feel and touch and see right in front of us. The problem with that is that burnout doesn't have like a start or an end date. It is not a tangible thing. It is a, it like seeps in and sometimes it gets to be, it it snowballs. And then it's like so big. You're like, Oh, I'm burnt out because I didn't even recognize when this started. So thinking about, what is the root cause of burnout? Uh, it's something that we're still on a mission to find because I do think that it's specific. It's bespoke to individuals. Um, but some ways that we've that we've tried to like action to like truly combat burnout have started with some like actionable plans. So we created an initiative called HubSpot Unplugged, and that has three components to it. <clears throat> One is we instituted a global week of rest. So HubSpot has unlimited paid time off for all of our employees. Uh, But we started a couple of years ago implementing, uh, since the pandemic, a global week of rest where the first week of July, HubSpot takes the entire week off. The entire company globally shuts down. What makes this different than just letting folks cash in on their unlimited time off is when someone takes time off and nobody else does, they come back to a barrage of emails. They're coming back to a ton of work that they need to catch up on. And sometimes that can prevent folks from taking the time off that they need because they're so anxious about what coming back looks like. Mm -hmm. That doesn't combat anything because what they need is a rest and they're refusing to take a break because they're so concerned about how much more work they'll have when they return. A global week of rest, when everybody is shutting down, gives everyone just a fair chance to say, I'm going to unplug, I'm going to turn off my computer, I'm going to take my Slack notifications down. And I know that when I come back, I'm not going to have a hundred or a thousand emails to come back to. We're just all putting pause on the week. And then we can come back, we can regroup. And it, and it removes just one of those barriers. I think that employees sometimes have when they're deciding if they should take time off or not. 
So that's one one of the plays for HubSpot's un, unplugged initiative. Another one is we really started investing in mental health benefits, and that includes using the Modern Health app. So HubSpotters can talk to life coaches. They can meet with therapists through the app. They can use the app. That's really cool. As a directory for on-demand resources. Uh, and step three, the one that I think is the easiest to action for like any size company yeah. is we, uh, Bryn, you talked about like people being Zoom fatigue. Uh-huh. Uh, same is true at HubSpot, right? There, we have a lot of meetings. And so we instituted a policy that started just over the summer during uh, one of the earliest uh, months of COVID. And then now it is uh, just a part of our uh, like ether is we have no internal meetings on Fridays. So no Zooming, there's no expectation for you. You can take a meeting if you need to, or if you want to, but there's zero expectation to. And when everybody has that expectation, it's easier to hold on to that boundary and be like, hey, this, this day is mine. This space is mine. This time is mine to do deep work to, I think about a 30 minute meeting is not just a 30 minute meeting. You have prep work before the meeting, you're in the meeting, and then you realize you have 9 million things that you need to follow up on or questions that have arisen. So you end up, a 30-minute meeting could like derail you for two or three hours out of your day. So no meetings on Friday is a way for us to really reset, refocus, prioritize what next week looks like, get like into the nitty gritty of any deep work or really strategic work that we need to be focusing on and give us permission to like hold our own space and creating that environment for people. I think uh, for me, it's been incredibly helpful uh, just to allow me to focus and get deep work done. And I think it has done a lot to help combat just the fatigue that people feel going in the meetings. So those are three actions that we're, that we're taking. I think we're still looking for like, how do we mitigate and identify what the root cause of burnout is? Mm -hmm. I will say that after we've um, initiated some of, uh, HubSpot Unplugged. We did a survey recently, and that employee survey indicated that that burnout had significantly decreased amongst our our employee base. So I think we still have a lot of work yeah. to do. Yeah, I mean it's great. I'm super proud of the progress we've made. I think we still have a lot of work to do, especially in just like finding what those root causes are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's nice to have so much buy-in across the company and across leadership to say like this is a priority for us. Mm-hmm. Burnout is not something that we want to be known for. So how do we intentionally visit it, identify it, and then mitigate it? Yeah. And and I especially love that you have the no meetings on Fridays internally because it not only allows everybody to catch up, but also allows you guys to go into the weekend feeling like you wrapped things up. And I think that that is mm. super, super important for this combating burnout phrase that we're going for. And I do love your Monty Python reference. I feel like I'm wearing armor right now. This is great. Um, (laughs) um, Okay, well, you you spoke a little bit about benefits. So I I do want to touch on that. Um, 
So we've seen a lot of companies and, and their benefit packages really evolve over the years here from, you know, we've got bean bags and beer on tap and pool tables and we're those cool guys and uh, to really a more remote friendly and, and arguably a more impactful benefit package. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about HubSpot's benefits, how they've evolved and how you uh, continue to see them evolved with employees and, and continuing to engage them in the future. Yeah, this is a great question because I think, right, I've been working remotely since uh, really before I worked at HubSpot and I still love the idea of in-office benefits like ping pong tables or whatever, uh, like a meditation room. And all those things, like uh, those things exist at, at our at our offices. I think our offices are really, really cool. But what I think is important is that to, to your point, traditional in-office perks are increasingly becoming a thing of the past. Mm -hmm. So what we've started really focusing on and doubling down on is how do we give employees what they really want? Number one, are we listening to what they really want? And then are we actioning that? So what we've heard our employees want are things like mental health and well-being for all. Mm -hmm. Thinking about like investing in modern health as an app. The flexibility, like both in how and where people work, uh, caregiver support and inclusion, uh, and then like simply a sense of purpose. Uh, so that's kind of how we're focused on what our, our benefits look like holistically for employees. We're also committed to leaning into location agnostic benefits. So any new benefits we're introducing are going to benefit our entire employee base in an equitable way, regardless of if they go into the office or work from home. Uh, or or go into the office some of the trusting and then and then we're just still asking for feedback so feedback is like breakfast right like you gotta <laughs> have it to have energy for the day so like you know we we are asking our employees for feedback quite a bit and we use those surveys to continue to iterate and to experiment like as time evolves so we know that we're doing the best we can to support our employees you know and benefits I don't think of Right. Benefits are not a static thing. They're dynamic. And as your company scales and grows, so too uh, is how you need to be approaching the benefits that your employees want and need, because those are an ever evolving thing, too. So so listening and actioning feedback, I think, is really big here. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think that we probably have a, a fair amount of, of listeners who, uh, who are at some smaller companies thinking, well, that's all well and good, Liz, but uh, we aren't HubSpot. We aren't that size. We just don't have the resources. So what are your biggest tips for um, companies of, of any size, uh, even, even those with limited resources, even those with, uh, without the big HR team? Um, what actions can they take to create a, a really strong culture um, a really engaging culture uh, when they don't see their employees every day. Yeah, so I think that I think the biggest misconception about culture is that it that good culture just organically happens. Yeah. Uh, we talked about uh, we've I've used the word intentional no less than a million times already, <laughs> but I think you've got to be really singularly focused on like knowing what your culture wants to look like. What do you want your culture to look like? Because yeah. 
a good culture could mean 9 million things to 9 million different people. So um, what can any single person do to contribute to a stronger culture? I think the number one thing you can do is lean into connection. Mm -hmm. uh, based on feedback we've gotten from employees, based on external studies, right? Those studies show that that social connection is a major contributing factor to employee happiness and engagement. Mm -hmm. And simultaneously, over the last couple of years, I think folks have really missed the spontaneous coworker connection that have historically taken place in offices. You could have the most limited resources available, and you could still lean into connection. A couple of ways that you do that. Uh, one, which is, I think, really low overhead when it comes to resources, is creating like a repository of connection resources. So hmm. one, one move, one initiative, one play, one value that HubSpot feels really true uh, when it comes to creating a great company culture is one where every person feels empowered to bring their full self to work. Hmm. So that, that requires a lot of focus on fostering safe spaces, prioritizing diversity, inclusion, prioritizing belonging. Uh, and so one scalable way, and I think a pretty simple way uh, that our team practices this is through discussion kits. So every month we provide managers with a discussion kit. So with some resources that help them lead conversations on their team uh, that cover pretty important topics. So those can range from addressing ableism in the workplace or outside of the workplace and understanding gender identity to practicing sustainability and supporting working parents, right? So you can run the gamut of what those topics are, but they allow you to foster some connection on your team and practice a little bit of empathy and learn about some of the circumstances or things that your colleagues might have experienced or might bring to the table that you didn't know because you're only talking to them through this Zoom mm -hmm. screen, uh, every day. So, so I think creating some connection resources that managers or anyone can pull from is one great way to start fostering that, that connection. Uh, another way is leaning into technology you're already using. So if you're talking mm -hmm. about what we have limited resources to really invest in culture, so it needs to happen somewhat organically, right? Leverage the technology you're already using. So something that HubSpot has done is we we introduced, to be fair, it is a HubSpot built app for Slack, uh, but there are a bunch of free ones out there that you can integrate with Slack. Ours that we created is called MixHub. MixHub randomly pairs or groups people together within a Slack channel to meet informally. Mm -hmm. So in the absence of traditional water cooler moments in an office, MixHub is actively mixing or pairing strangers across HubSpot in more than 50 of our Slack channels. So that's just creating a lot of connection across teams, across region. And, and the important thing here is that it's doing so in an automated and a scalable way. And then I think finally, we've talked about a lot of how do we create connection and it feels like it's heavier on the virtual connection side. I think that in this new hybrid world, we, we've got to be more intentional about how we're enabling all kinds of interactions. So not just virtual, but also in person. So in our offices, um, 
for any of our employees who go to any one of our global offices, we're currently experimenting with these areas called connect fours. Um, so connect four, not like the number four, but F O R. So connect four, whatever. And so they're, they include uh, the community tables with conversation starters, with games, with activities, with prompts that help facilitate some spontaneous conversation amongst folks who are seeing each other in the office. And so thinking about how do you leverage technology you have? How do you leverage space that you have? And then how do you create resources that speak to the myriad experiences of your employee base that will help prompt some of those connections and connectivity? You could do that at a very low low cost or limited limited resources. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, last question here. The interrogation is almost over, Liz. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, what kind of advice would you have for business leaders grappling with the decision of whether or not to bring employees back into the office? It's a hard decision because every company is different. And I think that for us at HubSpot, requiring people coming into an office was not going to be something that in the long term was a sustainable solution for us. So when anyone is grappling with that decision, I think the most important thing you can do is focus on the feedback that you're getting from your employees. Mm -hmm. Uh, Make sure you're listening to what employees want and then actioning that feedback. If you have decided that you're going to bring folks back into the office, regardless of if you have buy-in from your employees or not, and then you ask them, hey, would you rather come into the office or not? And you overwhelmingly have folks want flexibility. It's it's not going to be an easy look for you to overcome mm-hmm. saying, cool, took your feedback. Everyone needs to report on Monday into the office. Uh-huh. So really, like I think that the, that comes with having an open mind. The right solution is actioning what your what your employees are telling you they want and need out of their company. Yeah. It certainly sounds like you all have a lot of really exciting stuff going on uh, mm-hmm. at HubSpot, working on some interesting projects. Uh, what projects, mm-hmm. events, uh, initiatives do you have coming up that uh, that you're particularly excited about? A few. These are kind of ongoing, but I'm really excited about them. So my team, uh, Hybrid Enablement, sits under our strategic projects team. And so based on some feedback, there are two areas that hybrid enablement specifically has started focusing on. One, uh, we heard from our employees that they want more manager resources and training. Uh, mm-hmm. They really, especially as we're growing, we have a lot of first-time managers. We have a lot of folks who are coming from other companies into management at HubSpot. Um, so how can we empower them and enable them in a way that gives them the resources that they need? So uh, one way that we've started uh Taking tackling that head on is through a monthly manager offering called our hybrid work series. And these are really different resources, sessions, different types of ways to engage with this content where we're covering an array of topics. Uh, We've covered things like how do you create really strong asynchronous collaboration across your team? That was an offering earlier this year to how do you identify and alleviate or uh, mitigate distance or proximity bias, super important in a hybrid world when we have managers not working from the same city or in the same work preference as their direct reports. 
Uh, and then some more cool sessions later this year, we've got one on uh, like how do you overcome failure? So we're going to be speaking to some leaders at HubSpot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, basically asking them, Hey, tell us a time that you just epically failed. And, <laughs> uh, and it's great. I, you know, it's, we talk about it tongue in cheek, but nobody wants to talk about their failures, but it's super important, especially, uh, for new managers, people who are new to people management in particular to hear because failure usually means you're taking a risk and mm -hmm. it usually means you're going to learn and grow faster than, than you might have if you were staying comfortable. So we're, we're having a forum for leaders to, to talk about some big failures that they've experienced. And then the, the second, the second project, uh, that I'm particularly amped about is, uh, right. Leaning into this feedback that people want more in-person connections. How do we create this in-person connection when we're not going into an office? And so we've leveraged our we've leveraged Slack in a big way. So we've got location-based Slack channels that we help folks uh, when they're new hires automatically join so they can meet other people in their state or in their province or in their area, depending on where in the world they are. And then we're creating sort of a bank of advocates who are kind of grassroots creating connection in their areas, sharing what that connection looks like across uh, location Slack channels and helping folks really meet up with people. So mm -hmm. how do we create some scalable automated way to help folks find each other near them mm -hmm. and then let them take over and give them the autonomy, give them the support that they need to create these bespoke specific uh, meetups that are gonna be good for, for their community. Well, uh, Liz, thank you so, so much for mm -hmm. uh, imparting a lot of really, really valuable uh, insights and, and wisdom on uh, mm -hmm. hybrid working environments, hybrid and remote working environments and and how to make them work. Um, really, really appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, I, I, I have a feeling this probably won't be our last time chatting. Oh, I hope not. It was my pleasure. Y'all are a blast. So, anytime you want to chat, I would love to. I would love to continue the conversation. Yeah. You can catch Liz on LinkedIn, or as always, reach out to us here, and we're happy to get you in touch. You can find our podcast, Reworking Talent, on all major streaming platforms and at www.foundconsulting.info. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing guests we have lined up through the rest of the year. And thank you so much for listening.